pull ourselves together and we'll, you know, we'll get back on crack. I mean, on track. Unless, um, you have more crack. You guys are back on crack. Frank brought strippers back to my place. We're all bumping into each other at the welfare store, and yet I'm the only person who thinks it's 2006. Welcome to the Night Pod Cometh, where we talk about the legendary FXX show, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I am Jamie G. Esquire the fifth, the only man, the only man who ever actually beat the biz. I'm here at Magna Mills to jump out of a window portal right into 2006 and talk about Frank falls out of the window from one of my favorite seasons, season 11. Mills, I'm excited about this one, dude. It is uh, 11 to heaven right there. Big fan of that one. I am Magna Mills and I am a big fan of Gone to November, but I do still prefer Just a Friend. But cards on the table. I'm not sure that Jamie G actually beat the Biz. It might have been the Wiz or somebody called the Miz, maybe. Uh, I'm not sure. We're going to have to have our producers look into that. Thank you for looking into the Night Pod Cometh. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. We're on social media at Night Pod Cometh. Do not forget to get your holiday shopping in. Do not forget to rewatch season 11 of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And do not forget those flaps. Nope, you're not a pilot. This just means you need to follow, like, and please subscribe. Very important. Helps us out a lot. So if you had fun, please click that thumb. And, Mills, I have nothing to hide in terms of my records. Just like how I uh, perform in the courtroom, my record is classified confidential and off. Limits. Mostly redacted. Please be aware that this is a full-on spoiler show. Everything associated with It's Always Sunny is fair game here for discussion. This includes all episodes, the, the newest season to even season one before Frank was, was, was there. Uh, all podcasts, all interviews, you name it. This is your only warning, first and final. First and final. Let's do this thing! This is Season 11, Episode 2, the 116th overall episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Frank Balls Out the Window. Originally aired January 13th, 2016. Directed by Heath Collins, he has directed 13 episodes of Sunny, including three in Season 16. That included a couple of our favorites, including Frank vs. Russia and Dennis Takes a Mental Health Day. Written by... The man himself, Mr. Cricket, David Hornsby. He has 32 written by credits on Sonny. In season 11, he was credited with both parts of The Gang Goes to Hell, and his most recent written by credit was The Gang Gets Cursed in season 16. Notable guest stars include Mary Elizabeth Ellis as Waitress and Ashia Hins as Welfare Caseworker. The short plot synopsis is, after falling out of the window, Frank thinks that it's 2006. The other three see this as a do-over. Well, before we start breaking this baby down, is there anything particular about this episode you think that's worth mentioning here? Oh, 100%. This episode leans heavily on the events of Charlie Gets Crippled and Dennis and Dee Go on Welfare from Season 2. That's why we have already covered them first. Shout out us, and if you haven't checked those out, you could go back and do it now or watch them after. Either way, they'll still be funny. And here we get a little callback to that as well with Dee's ringtone in the welfare office we see is Just a Friend by Biz Marquis. That's what they're jamming out to on the stoop in Dennis and Dee go to welfare. When we first get to uh, Dennis, Mac, and Dee in the bar, they're having an argument about chickens and steaks and whatnot, and that's referencing Charlie Work from Season 9. The donkey brain certificate that we see of Frank's was first seen in the Season 8 finale, Reynolds versus Reynolds, the serial defense. And the references to Wyclef Jean defrauding a charity meant to benefit Haiti are based on real events. Finally, when Frank is remembering bits from his past, we get flashbacks to the following episodes. The gang goes to the Jersey Shore. The gang goes on family fight. The gang spies like U.S. The gang misses the boat. The gang dines out. Mac and Dennis break up. Dennis and Dee get a new dad. Charlie gets crippled. And Dennis and Dee go on welfare. A lot of newer ones on that surprised me a little bit. You love kind of the the notable callbacks here, but I like the mix here, man, of some of the of some of the the newer stuff on there. Before we get through the episode in full detail, we're each going to give you our overall thoughts on Frank Frawls out of the window. Mills, you look like you could use a break here. I'll go first. I'll be brief, but I will. I will be thorough. This was an absolute pleasure 
to go back and watch. For some reason, I had this ranked as kind of like a low spot in season 11, and that's hard to do because season 11 is probably my favorite season. It's 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 way up there. I don't want to get into a ranking thing. It's probably top three seasons for me. Love, love, love season 11. For some reason, I was a little bit down on this heading into it. I don't remember it being that, that clutch. Dude, this blew my mind with how good this was. So many funny things here. I really like the callbacks. I understand that you could maybe make a case that, you know, two episodes from the past kind of drive 75 to 80% of the storyline here. And that's probably true. But, dude, there were such good storylines. It deserves to be driving 75 80% of the storyline here. The little things in this one, Mills. At one point, one of my favorite things, I get bet you most people don't even notice this, but when <laughs> – when just like in 2006, Frank brings home the two strippers. Really, really great episode. Way higher on this one than I was before I rewatched it. Just, I'm, I'm a fan. I, I will say it definitely makes a difference if you have seen Charlie Gets Crippled and Dennis and D go on welfare fairly recently because they are directly calling back to those episodes. And this is something we see shows do. They, you know, if they're especially in their 10th season, go back and revisit the pilot episode kind of deal, bring back old storylines, that kind of thing. But don't discount the degree of difficulty here of what they did by recreating so much of these old episodes they did so long ago and doing it in a tongue-in-cheek way that you probably get the, the best view of. When uh, D and Dennis are out at Caginos, I got I missed Caginos with Frank for dinner, and he's like, "Oh yeah, that's fine. You're you're doing this now, but you don't want to be like pushing forty, working in that bar still." And it's just a very nice meta commentary all the way around. Uh, shout out David Hornsby for the script, very well written. You know, he calls the direction again. Uh, really works well. This is one that could not go over well if it wasn't done right. It, it's a tricky one to handle. It's very meta, almost one of the more meta things the show has done probably, but I'd say they pull it off on almost all fronts. They definitely do. Why don't you uh, why don't you put some rum ham on a grilled Charlie and see where that leads you, Mills? And remember your tums. You can't do that. That's stomach bomb. At 12.10 p.m. on a Wednesday, we find ourselves at Charlie and Frank's apartment. Frank puts slices of rum ham on a grilled Charlie, so Charlie's making Frank sit with his ass hanging out the window until he stops farting. Frank falls out the window, but survives. He's disoriented, and he runs away as Charlie calls out to him. Over at Patty's, Dee, Dennis, and Mac are debating their roles in the stake air mile scheme we saw in Charlie work when Frank comes bursting in. They initially think that he's doing a bit, but when Charlie comes running in and Frank doesn't recognize him, they know something's up. After seeing Frank's head wound, they figure out that Frank thinks that he's back in 2006. Uh, we always like to point out the cut to title cards. It's not much more on the nose than Frank falls out the window, and then we cut to Frank falls out the window. But, you know, I really like this this opener. Frank's got He's got the horrible farts going. He's got to hang his ass out there. And and I just, I love, there's something about like when Charlie's trying to lecture Frank on something, it just always works for me. And then here, obviously he's trying to lecture him on, you know, the, the, the stomach problems that he's having by doing this with Rahman. Oh man. Classic stuff here. I, I, the, the bit where the gang's trying to figure it out to me might've been the funniest part of this, this whole cold open. I laughed so hard as they're trying to like, what are you talking about? We know that yeah, mom's been dead for years. We, it was just so funny, dude. Like I just, I really enjoyed that. The, the reaction from the gang is they're so immersed in their own thing. And he comes bursting in as they're starting to like, what do you, you know, figure it out. It's just good stuff for me. Yeah, I mean, that's classic Frank Reynolds, dude. He often drops the bomb to soften the blow. It just so many good little touches here. Even the rum ham bit at the end of the episode, that's how Frank regains his memories by eating that rum yes. ham. So it's a nice way of kind of bringing that whole thing back around in the apartment. Yeah, we get the callback jokes again when he does the, the little, like, oh, you know, when he, who's the real president? Yeah, George Bush. Like, no, I'm just kidding. It's Dick Cheney. Uh, you know, that is legitimately a good, just a recycled joke from 2003 or something, but it still kind of hits here for some reason. Dude, it was very relevant in the time. Extremely relevant in the time. Everyone knew Dick Cheney was really pulling the strings, dude. I mean, come on. 
Right. From what we've seen of Frank and his political leanings, that fits perfectly. Uh, we've heard him do kind of a version of the state capital thing back in the gang hits the road when they were in the car and they were trying to name states. Was there an East Virginia there or something? I forget if it was East Virginia <laughs> or West Carolina or something like that. But uh, yeah, they're, they're not great at uh, state names and capitals. And again, a little touch with the cats. Later on, the cat food comes up here when Frank lands in the alley. There's just tons of cats running around. And you always hear Charlie about, oh, I can't sleep at night because all the cats. Like, what are cats that loud? He's like, well, yeah, if there's 30 of them. So, again, really just nice attention to detail here. Yeah. So, Mills, are you telling me Harrisburg is the capital of Pennsylvania? Ah, dude, come on. Everybody knows Philadelphia is the capital of Pennsylvania. Where are you getting your news from, Dick Cheney? Must be Dick Cheney. Maybe I'm in 2006. Maybe yes. There is a, a Jersey Mike's or a Subway you're at. That's it's an easy way to tell. After that, Mac, Charlie, Dennis, and D retreat to the back office. After some arguing, they decide to use the fact that Frank thinks that it's 2006 to their advantage. Dennis and D are going to try to work him for his money, while Charlie and Mac have to avoid getting Frank interested in their bar lifestyle once again. Uh, dude, we know the gang are not the best people overall. That It's built into the show. But this is a pretty quick, like, what do you want to do? Like, let him die, take his money? And everyone's like, yeah, let's do that. No concern about the giant, uh, swollen, infected, pussing gash on the back of his head and the fact that he may have just permanently suffered brain damage and lost his memory or anything to do with, with Frank. It's all about you know, oh my God, now I've got a scheme. And it's it's so perfect for the game. I personally love that they huddle up in the office and just leave them out there. <laughs> I just think it's so funny. They're like, all right, we're gonna, we'll be right back. We're going to talk this out and they just leave him out there. I mean, he's obviously has a major concussion. And shout out to Mac for really being the only one that's like trying to be the voice of reason here with, there's no there's no time portal. It's and, and I love this because later in the episode, Charlie still definitely believes that the window is a time portal because he attempts to throw the waitress through it. So I love that despite everyone being like, no, he just has a concussion. Charlie still believes it. Yeah, I will say when, when Dennis confirms that, you know, he, he's all about stealing Frank's money, kicking him out. Mac is like, oh, yeah, I want to do that. So, you, you know, Mac wasn't, you know, like Britney Spears, he was not that innocent. It, again, nice touches around the office, including one I, I just noticed as I was watching this, the, the poster Ireland that they bring out. With, for like the gang goes to Ireland in uh, season 15 there. Uh, I think it probably comes up in uh, the gang replaces D with a monkey, maybe uh, right in that area. In we get some old stuff here. Remember, you know, it was always the thing where they would tease that Charlie is actually Frank's son. And you get that here where they're like, oh, you know, uh, Frank is uh, just, you know, he's drawn to Charlie for some stupid reason. And they always threw in little uh, leading bits like that. But at the end of the scene, the best part is, you know what it is. It's when the whole gang tries to sing Gone to November. We'll be gone to November, we'll be gone to November. Tell my baby I'll be gone to November. February, March, and May. July, August, September. You don't know the song. I didn't know the song. It was a good bounce to it. Either way, you ever like sing a song and like there's one person in the group who doesn't know it and they just kind of. That's Charlie here, and it's very, very, very funny. Um, it just, just Charlie Day, dude. His ability to just kind of like throw that in there and be bopping with it, but still mess it up so blatantly, and just yeah, great, great, great scene. Now let's be honest; it's only fifty-fifty. If you ask Charlie Kelly, please tell us in twelve months if he could do it. Yes, I think it's less than fifty-fifty, dude. I think it's closer to like twenty-five, seventy-five. Maybe 1090. We might be being a little yeah, bit. I mean, it's a, but he probably has invented yeah, months. You know what I mean? Like he, here, it seems like he would have marchuary or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, come on. Especially if we asked him to write them out. Like, geez, man. I, I think it's I think it's less than 5% that he can spell all the months, let alone list them. Yeah, summer for him is just joggist. It, it just gets it all in. It's just one month from uh, June through August. Joggist. Joggist. At Cagino's, Dennis tells Frank that he's still pursuing his dream of becoming a veterinarian, while Dee claims to still be pursuing her Broadway dreams. Frank apologizes for being a bad father and blames it all on their mother. He tells them that he wants to give all of his money to charity, and when Dennis and Dee support him, to his surprise, Dee pulls out her phone, which blows Frank's mind. Then, she of course claims to have invented it, so Dennis pulls out his phone and claims that Dee just copied him. Frank is very impressed. He was worried they were going to spend the rest of their lives in that shit bar. 
And again, I, I love the on the nose stuff here, but I do miss the waiter and, and Gaginos both. Yeah, I, I love seeing Gaginos and I like the little flashback that, you know, nice little bit here that happens kind of throughout with, with Frank starting to kind of get the flashbacks or whatever. So that was a cool starting point here. And then the phone thing to me, I don't know why, maybe I'm dumb, but this is just so funny because it's super relevant though, because like there weren't smartphones back then. And so I lived through that era of, of not having smartphones. So to me, that's really funny. And just, of course, classic D and Dennis. And I love that. I love that D kind of like admits it at the end. Like, yeah, I saw what you did and then I made it better. <laughs> just they can't get out of their own way here. So Nice, nice little scene, and obviously good foreshadowing of what comes later in the uh, in the episode. Yeah, and especially the way they have to just grin and bear it when Frank is like, "Oh yeah, I was worried you're gonna spend your whole life in that crap box, you'll you know, tw- in your twenties. You don't want to be doing that when you're pushing 40. And they just have to be like, "Yeah, yeah, that, that's uh, yeah, we're not doing that. We're doing great. We're awesome." And uh, did you think it was a little subtle? Because I'm pretty sure they were trying to go there with it when DNS holds up their phone. One is Apple and one is Android. And it's kind of trying to be like the Android's trying to claim like they were first to market and Apple copied them or whatever. I, I really, that's super deep and I, I really like it. Um, yes, I'm going to, yes, all of it. Yes. Yeah, I feel like if you listen to the Sunny podcast, they've had this conversation about Apple versus uh, Android phones yeah. before. And as you went out of the scene, and again, just a nice little touch on his breath. That is like, D, you bitch. I always love when he, he gets mad at D. It's always awesome. Elsewhere, Mac brings Charlie to the strip club to show him what life can be like without Frank. Almost immediately, Frank walks in, and he gets attention from the strippers because of his gaping head wound, which might be infected. Just like in 2006, Mac, Charlie, Frank, and two strippers head back to Charlie's house. They break out the booze, and Mac takes Charlie out into the hallway for a conversation. Mac manages to convince Charlie not to repeat the mistakes of the past, but it's too late. Frank has already locked them out. Booze under the pillow, like a bottle, not a flask. That cannot possibly be the best place to hide booze. Dude, how uncomfortable. And it wasn't even a plastic bottle. It was glass. That's the thing that cracks me up about it. It was a glass bottle. Can you imagine sleeping with a glass bottle? And I don't know if you've seen you know, Charlie Kelly's pilly, pillows, but they are not plush, thick pillows, dude. Those babies are, those babies are pancake thin. Yeah, that's not a great spot to put it, but it absolutely makes sense in Charlie's apartment, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm just trying to remember because I think they sleep ass to ass. And now, now uh, you know, hoop hoop the bed is coming into play here. But it's just yep. perfect that just like, you know, reaching under the bed. Of course, these strippers are really into going to this apartment where these guys are hiding bottles of booze under pillows and whatnot. I will say I missed the wheelchair race. That's what they did last time before they came in. And that was a fun one because previously Charlie was the one who got the strippers uh, sympathy because he was uh, banged up because Frank hit him with the car. Which was the whole point of, you know, uh, Charlie got crippled. So, again, I thought they did a really good job just bringing it all back around here. They did. And, there, and there's lots of good stuff here. Let's just start back at the strip club. I mean, funny little exchange with, with you know, Mac and, and Charlie where Mac's like, yeah. This time, you and I are going to be the ones that bang the strippers. Right. Well, why do you want to bang? Oh, because it's 2006 and you're still into women. <laughs> Crazy. Huh? And and they kind of talk talk around it. So that was that was a funny little exchange for me. And then of course Frank comes in and he's the life of the party. Uh, but I also really like when they get in there and, and they're talking about the rooms. Like, I love it. It's so spacious. And Max like it's one goddamn room. That to me was a really funny moment of this because it's not spacious at all. And I just think back to to the the, the most recent season of of Sunny where you realize the whole time that door where the where the kitchen, I guess the little cooking area is blocking it. It's like that's a huge open room in there. And it's just so Yeah, so it's not even one goddamn room. It's not even though it's And actually honestly as a dude who has lived in the, the city of Philadelphia, it is pretty spacious. It is pretty it's not bad, dude. It's we had a roommate bad. who lived in what I would uh yeah, it was a closet, basically. It was not even a big one, really. But, you know, that's what happens if you want to avoid being on a bang path straight to the waitress. And, and to shout out bang path, I don't think they got a... That must be from a deleted scene in Time Cop or something. A bang path, dude. And, and you know, I actually forgot about... Um, I thought it was funny, too, where the waitress is like... <laughs> oh, man. We'll get to it later in the episode. I digress. It, it, dude, if you had to have a toe knife... 
wouldn't you get the dullest thing possible? Uh, Frank uses a serrated steak knife and not even a particularly good or heavy one. Can you think of a worse possible? I cannot literally think of anything worse you could use, basically. Maybe a cleaver? I, an ice pick? I mean, a, a razor? Like a razor? Um, a razor, a maybe you can shave it off eventually. Uh, to me, dude, might be useful. To me, it's got to be a butter knife, man. Like, I mean, right? Like, wouldn't you want to do like a rounded butter knife here? I mean, blows my mind that that that's it. And I love Charlie. You know, oh, that's Frank. Oh, and then he takes ownership of it, and uh, and Frank's like, "You clean your toe with a knife. You cut your toenails with a knife." Like, and then I started thinking about, man, how dangerous and hard would it be to actually cut your toenails with a serrated knife? Like, that wouldn't be a good time. I don't think. Two words for you, man. Botch job. Because that's literally what happens. After the commercial break, we're at Dennis and Mac's apartment where Dennis and Dee are enjoying some white wine and Gone Till November by Wyclef Jean. Dennis and Dee try to be real with each other, but it goes about as badly as you'd expect. They try to take a step back to avoid falling into old habits. Then they wake up the next morning and find out that they fell back into one of their worst habits, smoking crack. They want more crack, but decide that they'll just go back to rehab after they get Frank's money. But if they want more crack now, they need money now. Luckily, Dennis has an idea. Uh, dude, this just feels like the uh, the pilot episode for when uh, keeping it real goes wrong, right? <laughs> and just shout out to the, the kitchen dancing when Dee's holding the lobsters and just... You know, and, and they're drinking their white wine. I love it. And then, you know, obviously they wake up and it's just they drank everything in the history of the world and then moved on to crack. And I just, you know, I love I love tennis. A little exchange here where, first of all, how they did his eyes were just incredible. I mean, he absolutely looks like an addict here and it's it's fantastic. But I love the little exchange where it's like, unless you have some crack. And, and he's just like, no one ever wakes up with crack. No one has leftover crack. And I guess she's probably right, dude. Like, you know, I mean, Pookie never woke up with leftover crack, right? I mean, that's, that's like, you know, watching watching New Jack City. Like, he never did. I, I just can't think of anyone who ever wakes up with leftover crack. It's not like a it's not like a thing you carry into the next day, right? So. Yeah, I don't really have personal experience to lean on on this one. But from what I've seen, you know, across various movies and television, like, yeah, no, that's the thing. Like, you go to, like, oh, no one's taking the rest of the 30-pack home kind of deal. Like, uh you know, that's you're all going down with the ship or up to the, the Enterprise or what have you if you want to uh, make the new Jack City reference. How about the Wyclef thing, man? I enjoy it really personally, especially because I know this song well. But does it kind of put it in its own time? Because I don't think this is as timeless as the Bismarcky, right? So I think the Bismarcky definitely holds up better. I mean, Galt of November is fine, but I don't think it, it's making like heavy rotation now, whereas, you know, Just a Friend still definitely does. Dude, just a friend is it has to be played at damn near every wedding, uh, every dance, anytime you hear it, every house party. Like this is a must play. Gone in November doesn't have anywhere. It's not even the same stratosphere of notoriety for me. Good song. I think it's reminiscent of the year 2006. If if I had to guess, I mean, it feels about right. You know, I lived through that time frame, but yeah, not even the same stratosphere as is is the Bismarcky joint. Not even close. Oh baby, you yeah. you got what I need, and that I'm just gonna flashbacks of them sitting on the stoop, which is great. But what's also yes. great is when they do get real with each other. And this is one I reference a lot about Dennis wanting to keep the skins. I forgot about the Dennis going bald one. And he's like, no, I'll get two mirrors out and show you right now. She is way too eager to show her twin brother his bald spots. Oh, dude, this is her moment. And I love how she responded to, you know, the acting thing never works. And she's looking the way she's looking at a mirror laughing out loud i mean this was a this was a very funny moment for me when she's just looking at him the way she's looking at him as he's telling her that she was too old in 2006 she's not good at it but dude she kind of gets the final punch here with the skins thing and then the balding thing i think the balding thing might actually be worse oh then she calls him fat too i see fat spilling yeah. out of the back of your pants on a pretty regular basis 
all things that like vain Dennis can't handle, dude. Those are all those are all killers. Like he cannot handle that. Right. He resorts to like you are a wrinkled bitch. Like just like full on <laughs> right. Dennis. And to be let's be honest here, this keeping it real with each other is probably what drove him to smoke crack. Like they tried to play it off like they were cool with it, but that definitely cut both of them to the bone and they dealt with it by smoking crack, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and, and shout out to the plan here, going to rehab as soon as they get the money. Um, it it's definitely seems like something an addict would come up with. So, you know, I like, I don't know if this was method acting here or not for these guys, but they, you know, Dennis and D sure know how to play uh, some crackheads, that's for sure. Well, they've been here before. If you remember, Dennis they and D on welfare, before. they learned that yes. they had to actually be on the crack. That's why they smoked crack in the first place to get on the crack to get the welfare. So now that they're right. already on the crack. It just makes sense to go to the welfare store, right? So that's what yes. they do next. Dennis and D go to the welfare store where Dennis claims to be a recovering crack addict who is taking care of his donkey brain sister. They're given a bunch of paperwork to fill out. And while they're doing so, Mac and Charlie show up. They're looking to find a new roommate for Charlie. After a brief conversation, D gets a call from Frank. It's all good. The wheels are in motion. She and Dennis just have to meet with Frank and his money man. Pitch perfect callback. To Dennis and D go on welfare. Uh, they, they bring the same actress back to be the welfare store lady. And this one, Mac and Charlie come in looking for a roommate. Previously, they were looking for workers who were basically slaves, kind of. Like, you know, again, uh, referencing the previous episode, it, to get the Bismarcky ringtone, the whole thing. To, to me, this is perfect. You know, I, I think it's yeah. a really tough thing to do as well as they do. It's again extremely meta, but it, it's so, I mean, Hi, I'm a recovering crackhead, and this is my donkey brain sister that I take care of. I'd like some welfare, please. You're a recovering crack yes. addict, and your sister has the brains of a donkey? Just the repurposed certificate. And the way they tie in some of the later stuff with the callback is just brilliant. But I, I really enjoy just as they're filling out the paperwork. This is, this is good. I mean, it's a stack. I mean... It's a major stack of paper here, dude. We're talking, you know, like reams of paper. And this is positive. This is so easy now. You just got to fill out the paperwork and then give it to you. Just, again, really enjoyed this this continuation of this bit here. And, yes, to your point, they nailed it from, from a throwback standpoint. Yeah, much like Thundergrown Express, they forgot about Obama, dude. You got to calculate for Obama in there. Yeah, you do. City gets all jammed up. He's got a thunder gun into the sewer real quick. Yeah, I'm, see, I, this is a spot I don't want to step on anybody's legs for uh, favorite quotes or scene, but just so many good things here. Charlie's is awesome, where he's like, uh, You guys are back on crack. Frank brought strippers back to my place. We're all bumping into each other at the welfare store, and yet I'm the only person who thinks it's 2006. And I can't get over just how funny the term welfare store is. And I know that. Oh, dude, it's hilarious. Like, I've heard Rob McElhinney refer to, like, In-N-Out Burger as a hamburger store. It's the same concept. And it's just, I, I don't really have that in my real life. Like, I've called the, the DMV, like, the driver's license store before, but that's about all I got. And I just love that concept. And it's perfect because they have no they have no understanding of, like, how the world actually works. And that's what makes it so funny. Um, and that's why they can be so terrible of human beings and still have this this general, like, element of like it's okay because they don't know any better kind of thing and I, I think that's the balance that the show needs uh to, to make it work yeah that's exactly like the end of the obama quote you were getting at yeah could you write faster i need some more crack i'm starting to come down okay, pretty hard d i'm writing as fast as i can okay i i also want crack that might be the first time in her life deandra reynolds actually like empathized with someone understood why they were feeling bad and said she was sorry like she yeah. actually also wanted crack as badly as dennis probably it was kind of a growth moment for her, wasn't it? Yeah, too bad it just took, you know, crack. That is too bad. But funny. At the money man's office, there's some confusion because Frank's money man is actually dead. And it turns out that Frank is there actually to pitch the phones that Dennis and Dee supposedly invented. Of course, they're laughed out of the room. This spurs Frank into writing a check for Dennis and Dee. We don't know how much it's for, but they are impressed by the number of zeros. Uh, what do you think about Frank trying to, you know, take care of the real poor people, his children? But you also see Frank, he's still got the Frank Reynolds angle here, though. He's going to make a buck off this thing, right? Like, yes, he's going to take care of them. And yes, he, but he's going to make a buck off of this. Yeah, that was his initial instinct with the, the phone just to be like, oh, yeah, we got to monetize this. Yes. 
you know, business Frank still comes up here. And I appreciate that. Even if it's 2006, Frank, he still, he still has the heart at 2006 to want to actually take care of, you know, Dennis and D now he would just screw them over to get, <laughs> to, to make the buck. Right. That's the evolution of Frank. But back then he would have actually, you know, maybe, maybe brought them along for the ride a little bit, but um, yeah. And then just, you know, his impression of Haiti. I don't know what Haiti ever did to Frank Reynolds, but I did love the bit when they first go in and Frank doesn't recognize that the Jer Bear is dead. Like, come on. Yeah. And he keeps calling the lady, you know, like abroad and everything. You know, he's like, oh, oh I'm going to get She's going to be gone. By I two can't believe you're doing this to us. So funny, dude. <laughs> I mean, this chick, dude, she would know a good idea if it smacked you in the tit. She's going to be gone by 2007. Mark his words. Mark his words, man. Mark his words. Well, it's just so funny that they have to actually. Play it out. I almost, it, I'm glad they didn't show it with the phones and stuff. I'm glad that they just did a cut there, but it, but it, it almost made it funnier not showing it and seeing their reaction as they come out. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, Yes, and I think it actually worked maybe a smidge better too because you get that great reaction as they're coming out of the of the uh, of the office. Yeah, if I wasn't trying to think critically about it, I wouldn't even really notice it. It would just be a fun one transition into him writing the check. Back at Charlie's, Mac and Frank are interviewing possible candidates as a new roommate for Charlie when Frank bursts in. Charlie decides to include Frank in the interview, and things are swinging his way when the waitress comes in. Mac invited her, and Charlie quickly agrees to accept the waitress as a roommate. Unfortunately, Mac didn't tell the waitress that Charlie would also be living there. This causes an argument, and while that's going on, Frank eats a slice of rum ham. This causes Frank to regain all of his memories, and he asks why all these people are in his apartment. Charlie welcomes Frank back, but Frank still has the farts. Good use of the waitress, dude. Uh, this is the last time we get her in the whole season. Same thing, actually, ironic, when she came in at the very end of Charlie McDonough's 2, which was the first episode of season 11. Comes in at the very end for one scene, does the exact same thing here. That's a wrap on the waitress for the season. My guess is she probably filmed those in, in one or two days. I mean, fine, right? You'd like a little more, but fine, I guess? I think it works. I mean... Charlie trying to throw her out the window is hysterical, but it's really just a yes. physical comedy gag. I mean, it's... He could right. try to throw anybody out the window, and it probably would have been funny. Right, and and it just I think it I think it works. I don't know what more you could have really have done with her here, other than like, you know, maybe it's just she just moves in before Charlie Mac just has her move in before Charlie. But then you miss the the interviewing of the candidates, which I really enjoyed. I thought this was Mac at his highest level here, dude. Like I really enjoyed. The notes and the I wonder why Mac cared so much. It's the only thing they don't get into. This is the kind of thing Mac would usually not really want to deal with. He's great here, don't get me wrong. It's just this strikes me as a little bit weird. You you know, maybe it's because he felt excluded because Dennis and D are doing their own thing, so he just needed someone to glom onto. I I think so, man. I think he needed a thing here, and I think he kind of was like liking and Mac and Charlie have that or Mac and Frank have that kind of adverse relationship a little bit. You kind of get that in being Frank a little bit, also a little bit later in season 11 when they're in the car together. And it's kind of the awkward like moment between the two that uh, maybe they're getting at that a little bit. Maybe that was something they were focusing on in season 11. Earlier in the episode, he actually was trying to go out of his way to show Charlie how cool it is when Frank's not there. And so I think he was trying to, you know, he's trying to do a thing here a little bit, but I, I really enjoyed Mac here a lot. I thought it was just, to me, I would sacrifice waitress to get this scene. It was it was funny to me. Yeah, I loved the the whole interviewing thing, especially the whole bit with the cat food was great, and especially because Mac is just kind of half fascinated, half disgusted with just the entire line of questioning, more or less. And we saw a little bit of this, and I forget if it's a later season. I think it's season twelve when uh, and Frank tried to get roommates to get like the Swedish dudes or whatever, and they kind of like vibe with each yes. other a little bit. So I got some. Kind of that same energy here. Definitely enjoyed it. I, I would love if there were some deleted scenes or outtakes or an extended version of this where they asked more questions or talked about more. Like, how do you feel about using the communal bathroom? Do you sleep ass to ass? You know, what's the, that, all that kind of stuff. I, I think, you know, or, or Nyquil. Yeah, yeah. Like, will you play Nightcrawlers with us? I, I think there's some uh, other ways that could have gone with that. That would have been pretty cool that I would have liked to have gotten more of. 
Agreed. And and you mentioned it earlier, but I thought it was really cool um, to bring a full circle with the, with the ham once again, where he's, you know, he just kind of wanders over and starts eating the ham and then it all, all kind of comes back to him. And I love, and just Danny DeVito, dude, just awesome acting here as he just snaps back into it. The hell are all you people doing in my apartment? Really cool. And when Charlie finally realizes he's, he's back, that's the, that's the best. Uh, welcome back, buddy. You know, I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, hopefully they take him to the hospital after that. It just yes. loves that the waitress literally says, I'd rather live on the streets than live with Charlie. She literally, she's li- living in a shelter. She prefers that. Yeah, that's how bad it is for for, for Charlie. Yeah, he, he's got some work to dig himself out there. Yeah. And it's time to close out the episode. We do so with Dennis and Dee attempting to cash Frank's check at the bank. It's a valid check. It's made out to Dee for $8 million. Unfortunately, it's dated 2006, so the bank cannot cash it. We get one more callback when Just a Friend by Bismarcky plays as the episode ends. I do eight million under over what you thought it was going to be. It's way over for me. I was thinking million bucks. Way over, dude. I mean, no, I had no. I was thinking like, not probably not even a million, like five hundred. They said a lot of zeros. I figured that's at least still six zeros. I mean, I just yeah, I didn't expect uh, I didn't expect the seven digits here. But you know, good for them, man. You know, we know Frank's got the money, and and I always appreciate that. But you didn't think uh, eight million? That was way high for me. And I'm also like ninety eight percent sure that you can't walk into a bank and cast a personal check for ninety eight or for eight million dollars. There isn't a bank in America that keeps that kind of cash. They don't hold that right on hand that you could just withdraw without, if you made especially a personal check. <laughs> zero, zero percent chance that you're you're walking out of there with with, with right. And this is a local bank, some kind of central bank or, or an industrial right. or a business bank or someone who might have reason to have massive. You can't, dude. I don't. I don't even know that. Like. World Bank has $8 million cash in a branch. Right. Well, like, they would do at that point is they'd do a thing and they'd be like, all right, here's 50 grand or something. And then you're going to come back. Right. And we're going to wire. It would happen to be a wire transfer, most likely. You wouldn't actually. Yes. It, as much as you would like to get that visual you see in movies sometimes, like, I need it all right now. You have it. I know you do. Like, no, they actually don't. Doesn't really no, they don't. The, the, yeah. They, they have to order it. You'd have to, like, it's a whole thing, man. So I just want to shout out the check itself. The memo is for my kids' dreams, and uh, the check is from Warthog Industries, and it's drawn on a Swedish bank. I, I just love all those little details; are just perfect. Oh, dude! What, I mean, because we know Warthog. I mean, he is the Warthog, right? So, I mean, we've you know we we we've seen that nice little throwback there. I love. Of course, he's got eight million dollars in a Swiss bank account. <laughs> you know, Frank Reynolds, man. Writing a personal check out of a Swiss bank account does seem to uh, defeat the purpose <laughs> a little bit, but. Yes, yes, it does. But you gotta, you gotta love it. When you're the warthog, you you know you can do it. They let you do it when you're the warthog, dude. The warthog, the warthog knows no no limits. That about does it for the recap discussion of Frank falls out of the window, episode two, season eleven. Before we hand out our awards for this episode, though, let's find out what other people think about this one. This episode has a rating of 8.0 on IMDb. That puts it in a 10-way tie for the 123rd overall episode of Sunny out of 170 episodes. That's from the first 16 seasons. That roughly places it in the bottom 25% of Sunny episodes. Jamie G, I think I know the answer, but does bottom 25 seem about right to you? Bottom 25%. I don't know. I'm probably higher. I'm probably I'm probably like 35 to 45% range, but... It's probably fair considering all the different things that they've done. It's a big catalog. See, this is one of those things where you just have to know how many episodes they have that are in such a tight grouping. If you moved it up yeah. to say 8.5 on IMDb, that probably shoots it up to like 60th or something. Or you know what I mean? So it doesn't, you're talking about kind of a minor move to, to move way up because so many episodes are tied in this area. I think bottom yeah. 25% is low. I think it could go any way up into that, you know, 50%-ish range, like right kind of a mid-range episode. My guess yeah. is that people just compare it unfairly to Charlie Gets Crippled and Dennis and D go on welfare because they call back and draw from those episodes so heavily. It's really good, but it's probably not as good as those two episodes. And even if it is. 
it's not going to be for most people because those are the first episodes with Frank. They were so huge and so momentous and kind of giving people the idea of what the show was that it's going to be tough for anything, you know, 10 years later to, to, to beat it really, or to give you that quite same high, so to speak. Well, we're always trying to get new people to watch the show, and we're constantly debating about the best episodes to show someone who's never seen an episode. Sunny, always looking for those gateway episodes. Given the nature of this episode, I don't know that Frank Falls Out of the Window would be a good one to show a, a, a Sunny newbie here, right, Mills? I mean, there's too much. It doesn't hit the way it's supposed to unless you've seen some previous episodes. I just I don't know that this is the one. Not at all. I'm even trying. The only scenario I can picture is somebody didn't watch it, and you're like, "All right, let me show you this episode, and then I'm going to show you two episodes made ten years earlier that make it make sense or something." Like, and then you're yeah. going to show them Charlie gets scribbled and Dennis and Diego on welfare to try to get them. I don't know why. Just that's it. That's all I can think of. But yeah, it's not a great gateway episode. Not at all. It's probably in the that is in the bottom twenty five percent of gateway episodes. I'll give it that. I would one hundred percent agree with that. Sunny is always very well written, and that includes the episode titles. That being said, we do enjoy trying to come up with some alternative titles for the episodes we cover. Frank Falls Out of the Window is both quite literal and spot on, but also intriguing. So it's going to be tough to beat, but any ideas for this one, Mills? I mean, maybe give me Dennis and D are gone till November. That's just me, you know, being again a little bit nostalgic for the for the Wyclef and the what have you. But that would at least make me interested. Like, what are they doing? Are they doing a Wyclef thing? Are they doing a rap thing? What's going on? Uh, how about you? You got one? I, I kind of like the gang goes back to 2006. It's it's a runner throughout. I think it would be intriguing. You'd be like, ooh, okay. In your mind, you're starting to think about what the hell was the world like in 2006? I, I would like that. But I think I would maybe be slightly disappointed just based on the fact that there's not enough cultural references to 2000. That almost needs to be a separate episode, right? Where they're actually, it's all 2006 related stuff. So I don't actually know it would work, but I like the title and it's intriguing. Yeah, it feels like it'd be a little bit of a letdown, like uh, from the end of season yeah. 11, the gang goes to hell, where it really doesn't play into uh, kind of as, as nice as you would like it to, or at least overall. There are a couple of other fun ones here. I just like the gang repeats the mistakes of the past. Like, of course they will, right? Like, that's the gang. Like, they're just going to keep doing it over and over and over because they're the gang. That's what they do. Frank Bang strippers, again, would be a great one. You, you, you know, at that point, you're just kind of like, yeah, that's something. For, I mean, Frank loves that, right? I mean, that's something that he really loves and he's not going to quit it. That one would have been funny to me as well. You know, and, and shout out Dennis and D create a charity, um, even though they just kind of like do a, do a white club thing, uh, but they they don't execute. Uh, but I, I do enjoy that one as well. Yeah, if you were going to do that, I would just go to Dennis and D save Haiti. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're going to go, for, you know what I mean? If you're going to kind of play into that, you know, I keep going leaning into the white left thing, but I, I do think that would, you know, again, get me funny and interested. Probably even would have been more so if they could have somehow got white left to guest star in uh, some way, shape, form, or fashion. Or, you know, and, and I guess finally the, the gang goes back to the welfare store. That's probably the winner for me. That brings us to the award tour. And first, we'll hand out the hardware for favorite quote from Frank Falls Out of the Window. Mills, I'm going to go first here, and I am going to go to the welfare, welfare store. You said it. It's just so great. It may be the the, the funniest just term. I, I don't know how to explain it, but you're right. There's something so funny about referring to it as the welfare store. I got to go there. You guys are back on crack. Frank brought strippers back to my place. We're all bumping into each other at the welfare store, and yet I'm the only person who thinks it's 2006. All right. Jamie G, you alerted, you alluded to this a, a bit earlier, but I want to bring it back in its full, most glorious form. And that is when Mac and Charlie are having a conversation in the strip club. I am going to show you what life could be like without Frank. Yeah. Except the first time we came here with Frank, we brought home two strippers. Oh, yeah, but he banged both of them. True. Yeah. This time, you and I are going to be the ones that bang the strippers. Right. Well, why do you want to bang? Oh, because it's 2006 and you're still in the women. <laughs> Crazy. Just so funny because they know that they, they don't want to directly address the whole Mac thing yet, but they have to bring it up somehow. Uh, I think just an incredibly hysterical way to do it. This was really good. And the fact that they're in 
a strip club when doing it makes it even funnier. Right, yeah, which is why Charlie's so perplexed. Like, really, Mac? Why did you bring me here of all people? Right, it's odd for you to be here, right? I mean, he's you know, it seems like you'd have a much better time with Frank than you would with Mac in that. Yeah, setting. it's like from uh, oh, from the the Charlie catches the leprechaun. What is it? The pot of gold. I'm trying to think of the the, the game. Yeah, strip club or club or whatever that Mac goes to. He yes, he's not answering any questions about why he's covering any questions. Not answering any questions. I'm not taking questions. Also right. covered in glitter here, so it's a little yes, bit of glitter, uh, you know, foreshadowing. Yeah, a little throwback there. The next stop is our favorite scene or moment from Frank falls out the window. Mills, you're up first here. I am going to go with when they arrive at the welfare store. And they're talking to the lady. Dee is doing her thing, acting all dumb. And Dennis now legitimately looks like a crackhead, just ashy, just looking bad. And she's just like, yeah, I'm not dealing with this. You have to fill out all this paperwork. It, that whole bit. And then them filling out the paperwork, everything, everything there. Shout out the welfare store. Uh, a big winner for me. Jamie G, how about yourself? Favorite scene? Yeah, now? shout out the store. Uh, for me, man, I got to go with the scene just prior to that. When they wake up the the the, the night after the uh, wild party and crack you, so funny when they just kind of wake up and it's carnage all over the place and they're trying to piece it back together and they devise their plan and just some great jabs back and forth here. Extremely funny moment in this episode. We slipped up. It's, it's not a big deal. Like we'll you know we'll pull ourselves together and we'll you know we'll get back on crack. I mean on track. Unless um you have more crack. No, Dennis, I don't have more crack. No one in the history of crack has ever woken up in the morning with more crack. And one very underrated moment in that is when it first starts out, it's good, great shot here by the director, is you see Dee wake up, she looks, she sees the crack pipe, and she's like, Dennis, wake up. And then you just, like, the camera doesn't move, and Dennis just pops his head out, kind of this blanket. You didn't even realize that he was passed out there. And he's like, what? What? Just absolutely just just perfectly done and exactly how it could be when you wake up really disoriented like if you slept on the floor this is how you would probably wake up you know in my case mine is a crack pipe but same difference yeah yeah i mean you know if you if you drink all the alcohol in the world and wake up on the floor it's still a it's a rough and it's not and if it's not the bathroom floor you're winning you're already ahead of the game yeah yeah waking up on a non-bathroom floor is way better than waking up on a bathroom floor that's a huge true. distinction. Yeah, big distinction. Well, one distinction that we need to figure out is who is our episode MVP. And we do that by determining who our five-star man or woman is. And we're going to do it in our, in our five characters that are our favorite from this episode. Episode two, season 11, Frank falls out of the window. We're going to rank them on a scale of one to five stars. Remember, first is the worst, and we all go all the way up to five stars, man or woman, our golden god, our goddess, the episode MVP, one through five. I need a chalk break here. Mills, you go ahead and go first. At one star, I got to give it up for my girl, the welfare store lady. Uh, she's great. She edges out Mac here. Mac just doesn't get enough to do for me in this episode. So he gets kind of put by the wayside. At two, I have the golden god himself, Dennis Reynolds, Good episode, but honestly, he's outshined by D in most of their scenes. So that's why I have Sweet D at three. Uh, definitely killing it. Physical comedy on point, as always, with Caitlin Olsen. At four, I have Charlie. No big surprise here. Very rarely does Charlie fall outside of the four to five star range. He's absolutely killing it, except for the fact that Frank Reynolds is my five star man. The golden god of this episode. He just kills it the whole way through. And a great acting job by Danny DeVito on top of it. Legitimately kind of playing it straight while they're doing all this throwbacky stuff around him and everything. Works to perfection. Chef's kiss. Frank Reynolds. Five-star man. Episode MVP. Jamie G. Who are your star people? You know, honorable mention to roommate candidate one, who's basically like, don't touch my shit and I won't touch yours. I thought about creeping him on this list but i like I that i like that i like that uh <laughs> he was cl he's close but he didn't make it mills i'm gonna i'm gonna take the traditional route here and eat a little bit more chalk my one star is gonna go to mac for to, to me 
Everything he was in, he killed. I loved him in the strip club. Absolutely loved him during the interview. I know that he didn't get a lot to do here, but what he got, he really delivered. So Mac deserves to be in this one for me. Uh, at number two, I'm going to follow your lead here. I'm going to put Dennis, uh, the OG Golden God. He falls to number two. Good episode for Dennis, but I think D just edged him out just a little bit. So I'm going to give it up for, for Sweet D at three. At four, I have to follow you here and go, Charlie. Charlie's just so good throughout this episode, but he unfortunately doesn't take home the crown, the crown because it has to go to the man who had the rum farts and fell out of the window, Frank Reynolds himself. Frank kills in this episode. The episode's kind of for Frank, and yeah, he delivers, man. Frank is my five-star man. We are continuing our efforts to create a self-sustaining economy, and it's going to work sooner. Or later. I'm telling you, I know it is. I'm, I'm, I believe. That means it's time to hand out some patties bucks. We're going to grade Frank Falls Out of the Window on a scale of 0 to 100 patties bucks. And, you know, we do this with every episode of Sunny. But if for some reason this is the first night pod coming you're checking out, well, now you know. For me, Magna Mills, I am going to be slightly higher than IMDB. I'm going to give this bad boy 83 Patty Bucks. Interesting. I thought you were maybe even going to be a little bit higher than that. Uh, I am going to go, I'm going to give it a, a little bit of a Marty McFly, dude. I'm going to go 85 Patty's Bucks, 1985, middle of the 80s. Again, I thought it should be closer towards that middle 50% of episode. That puts it right in that range. So I got 85 Patty's Bucks that are going out there, passing them out. They're going to stimulate the economy. And then when they come back, We'll figure out what to do with them because you know that part of the plan. Well, I think that just about does it. Anything else before we get out of here and potentially fall out of a window ourselves? Yeah, I'm hopefully not falling out the window uh, unless the cats catch me. But I mean, then you're into a whole Batman Returns thing, and I am definitely not Michelle Pfeiffer no. or Mackay Pfeiffer. I am zero of the Pfeiffers. Uh, but our there's quest... no movie. There's no Mackay Pfeiffer. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not I'm not Don Quixote either, but our quest to finish season 11 will continue and we are going to get there soon. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Next up is McPoyle versus Ponderosa, the trial of the century. Dude, yes. McPoyles, Pondy, Uncle Jack, the lawyer. This episode has it all. Make sure you don't miss it. You don't want to miss that. Thank you for checking out The Night Pod Cometh. We absolutely love doing these throwback episodes and hearing from other Sunny fans. Let us know what you thought about uh, Frank Falls Out of the Window. Was this one that you uh, that you enjoyed or was this a weak spot in season 11? Do you got a particular episode you'd like us to talk about? Please let us know. Hit us up. You can always drop a line in the comments or you know our steez. Get after our social meads and leave it there. We will answer, and we will do them right here on Night Pod Cometh. And don't you worry, because Magna Mills has got you on where you can find us. Yeah, we used to be able to be reachable via the, the carrier pigeon and whatnot, but then we train these crows, and they fight like crows, and they don't like the pigeons. So you are basically down to the social media where you can find us at Night Pod Cometh. You can find the Night Pod Cometh wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. And do not forget your flaps. They're very important, right up there with remembering your holiday shopping and where you buried that treasure. Follow, like, and please subscribe. That's the flaps. Same thing that helps a pilot land the plane, and we appreciate it just as much. So if you had fun, please click that thumb. This has been The Night Pod Cometh. I'm Mag Mills. He's Jamie G. And thank you for being a fighter for The Night Pod Cometh. Oh, wow.